Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you about another great podcast, Laughter Permitted with Julie Foudy, which is celebrating its 100th episode with an assortment of Julie's teammates from the 1999 Women's World Cup Championship team. Join Mia Hamm, Brandi Chastain, and others for some laughs and memories about the iconic team. That's Laughter Permitted every Wednesday. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Right Time. My name is Bomani Jones. Thanks for listening. Wherever you get your podcast, thanks for watching us on YouTube. Rate us, review us, give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. It is Foxworth Friday. Dominique Foxworth, what's going on? What's happening with you, Bo? We got a whole lot to get around to. Got some NBA stuff. Uh, but I know, man, I get it. There ain't really that much to talk about with the Lamar Jackson thing, but it's always still there, right? It's always top of mind, but something that don't sound like something kind of sounds like something. So me and Dominique were talking about this before I came in here because we record this on Thursday mornings. I watch the TV to see what's cracking before we get in. Just make sure I ain't miss nothing. You know what I'm saying? And I look down and they say something about the Ravens making some big admission and I was like, did anybody see what the big admission was? Dominique went and checked and started reading the story. And I was kind of like, uh, that didn't sound like that big an admission until Ozzie Newsom gave a quote that said, look, the Deshaun Watson contract, and I'm paraphrasing, did kind of throw the quarterback market off. And as the Ravens, you know, we just got to figure out whether that's the new world order or whether mm-hmm. or not that was an outlier. And me and Dominique both had the same thought. So you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> exactly. He said, is it the norm, an outlier? We don't know. Which like is mind-blowing to me. What it tells me is that they know, or part of them feels like Lamar is going to get this. You know, like he going to get it. And the choice that you want to make is, do you want to stand on principle and be able to walk into the owner's meetings with your chest out like I ain't do it? Or you want to walk into the owner's meeting with a franchise quarterback on your team and a shot at one of them big shiny things on your finger, which that all goes away if you lose Lamar Jackson. Yeah, well, this is the quarterback dynamic generally that's a little bit different, and we see it play out with lesser players. But generally, like we see this in you being a union man and seeing these negotiations and how they go, I know how much it had to frustrate you where you realize, damn, our guys need the money more than the owners need to have games, right? Now, the owners don't want to walk away from games because they greedy, but they don't need it. The players is out here like, hey, let me ask you a question, man. So you saying that if we don't sign this this week, then we don't get no, like, that? that's, hey, man, I think we need to find a solution, right? The owners don't have to play it like that. But with quarterbacks, and particularly one like Lamar, where, look, I don't know what his pockets are looking like, I know his base salary, not as high as it would be if he had been taken in the first round, but it ain't bad, right? And I'm sure there's He went last pick of the first round. Right. And I'm sure there's outside money he's getting. They picked up that fifth-year option, like all of those things, right? The Ravens, in all likelihood, need a quarterback, not just more than he needs the money, but way more than he needs the money. Like, the farther this goes along... Lamar actually has the leverage, not the team. And I take it a step further. It don't even have to get down to September. This is a quarterback, right? Like you could draft a running back and a running back 
don't sign nothing until two days before the season. Exactly. Drop him in there, and you still got the running back that you thought you had. Quarterback don't work like that. You need to go get some receivers and get some chemistry and all of this stuff. Lamar, quietly, and I don't know why our business don't want to talk about it in these terms. He's the one that's got the cards here. Absolutely. And so you can, for a running back, you can wait until a couple weeks into the season, ask Emmett Smith, yes. and, still, and still be balling. But um, the point you make about negotiations is one that I always have to tell people when they talk about negotiations, because we we think negotiations of like in the movies is that you negotiate a, a good negotiator is able to trick the other side or like play hardball. No, negotiations are won and lost well before you step foot in that room. Negotiations, if you're negotiating against a, a like reasonable opponent, they know what you know. It's about leverage. And that's where the negotiation starts and ends from a union standpoint. And I remember when I was in there negotiating, one of the hard things was I didn't like the deal that we signed. And I suggested I was young and naive and aggressive. And I was like, no, nah, we're not going to sign it. And I think looking back on that, that was probably the wrong thing to do. And signing the deal was probably the right thing to do because the point that you're making, they have the leverage, they have the power. They can, they can, the vast majority of the players are, young and they designed it this way they put in uh, a bump in your league minimum at a certain time for for the salaries that pushes guys out who aren't great you got to be great to get a big second contract or you'll get a small second contract so the vast majority of guys and i've done the calculations on this before it really comes down to like maybe uh 10 dollars per guy if you are able to hold out for one percentage point more of revenue but for the owners it like turns into like three million per guy and it's not one year it's into perpetuity and then on top of it they already got a billion dollars so they are not gonna have to sell a house they are not gonna have to take their mom off the payroll none of that <laughs> is going to have to happen to them so like the leverage is drastically against us and you're right for the quarterbacks it's different yeah because it's all supply and demand it ain't that many <laughs> of them out there you know and y'all been looking in most franchises if you think about we talk a lot about the really good quarterbacks but pick random franchises and then think about how many like good quarterbacks they've had. Not many. And I'm not talking great. I'm talking like passable starters. Do Dominique, the Giants just gave Daniel Jones $40 million a year. Exactly. $40 million dollars was, a year. I was arguing with um Dan Orlovsky and arguing with everybody else because they're like shocked. Like Daniel Jones don't deserve that. Yes, the hell he does. Like what happened in that situation was for once, the timing matched up in the player's favor where everything came together. He played just well enough to be in a situation where they had to make a decision. And also they had Saquon on that roster too. And I think they have to pay Daniel Jones in that situation what they paid him because you don't want him to walk out there and then ball out. Now you're on the hook for 50 million a year yeah. with Daniel Jones. The man threw 15 touchdowns last year and got $40 million. That's all for everybody talking this Lamar Jackson noise. Y'all got this charged up about Danny Dimes, and he only he's never thrown as many touchdown passes as games played in a season, which is a mind-blowing statistic for somebody who isn't a dynamic runner. He is a good runner, right? Like, he can get you some things. If he got, like, 700 yards this year or something like that, but it ain't dynamic, right? Like, you take what you get out of him, but it ain't dynamic. He's done, he threw 15 touchdowns in a 17-game season, and they still gave him the 40. Now, the other thing is with the union, you got thousands of dudes, which means thousands of stomachs, 
Okay. Yeah. Lamar's stomach appears to be made of cast iron. <laughs> I love every second of it. And no matter what people are saying from outside, he is going to, he, he seems to be a man of principle, which you can afford to be when, to your point, we know how much money he's made since he's been in the NFL. The fact of the matter is he hasn't made nearly as much as he deserves. But the other fact of the matter is he's made more than enough to live off of mm-hmm. for a year or two or forever. So, like, it comes down to, like, how important is this other stuff to you? Because he is going to get paid as well as or as as strong as his stomach is, is how much he's going to get paid. Because there's going to come a point where the Ravens either have to get, or get off the pot, for lack of a better terminology, where they're going to be like, we either have this guy, if he sits out this entire season, let's go, like, doomsday scenario. At the beginning of the next season, they're going to be like, all right, we either pay him or we trade him. Otherwise, we're just going to like waste the best possible draft pick we've ever made. Well, no, not, not the Ravens. They made better draft picks, the best possible <laughs> asset. One of the five to 10 best assets in all of the league. We're yes. going to waste it and just let him sit at home. Nah, he is their third best draft pick. Ever, yeah. Just to be clear, <laughs> the, the first two, he, the first Ozzie, yeah, yeah, Ozzie, yeah, one and two. Ozzy went one and two for the first picks in history of the organization. For the best draft picks they've ever made. Well, the thing is, you got Ray Lewis in the 20s. And the thing that makes Lamar Jackson such a good winner, you could even make an argument that in the end, it could play out to be a better pick than Ray. It's just because you got a franchise quarterback at 32. Right. At 32. That's crazy. Yo, by the way, shout out to them for actually trading up to 32. Because they really could have just waited for him to get to the second round if they wanted to. Right. But it was actually smarter for them to do that because first round picks only are the only picks with the fifth year option. That's correct. That's so correct. He, and then, and that's what kind of happened with the giants because they rejected Daniel Jones, fifth year option. They would have had him for cheap 20 yep. something for another yeah, year, but they, they got slick. I was like, nah, you ain't good enough. And all of a sudden he was just good enough that you can't let him leave. But that's because they changed that rule. It used to be, you could pick up that fifth year option and still cut him. Like that's what happened to Robert Griffin, for example, right? They they can still do that, and they're like, nah, 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 nah. We not we 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 not going there. Let me tell you this, and I mean, I'm on record with this, and I'll never change my mind about this. I think the young man would be better served to have some representation, just because it's only 24 hours in a day. There ain't been so much time, all of this. But do not underestimate how shrewd he and his mama are. Okay, because I don't know that much about his mom. I don't know where she works. I don't know what kind of gig she has, but. I think people need to be careful on these assumptions because I think that particularly when it comes to black people that you hear your mama's involved, your uncle's involved or whatever, and you come up with a stereotypical name in your head like Pookie, right? Like this is what happened with Kawhi Leonard and his uncle Dennis. And then you find out that uncle Dennis worked for Merrill Lynch, yeah, right? Like you don't know nothing of like, we don't know these people. And especially with Lamar, where they don't really want us to be known, right? Like, I know somebody that do business with uh, Kawhi Leonard's uh, aunt, Uncle Dennis's wife. Yeah. Then people, people, those are serious people, yeah. you know? But when he went to Louisville, part of it was them putting Bobby Petrino in a box because his credibility was so low at that point and making it clear to him that he could not play Lamar. I don't mean play him on the field. I mean play him. Like, yeah. this was not going to be an option. And so there's a story about one of his early practices at Louisville that uh, they put him back there to run back a punt, and his mama got wind and was like, no, this stops right now. Like, to get him to where he is took a measure of strategy, right? Mm -hmm. So I don't want people to get it confused. I think everybody should have an agent. It's not particular to him. It's not about, oh, he ain't smart enough. 
I don't think he is smart as me and I got an agent. Like, I think everybody needs to understand that this is not an insult, right? I also don't think you should make your own clothes. It's it's all in line with that same thing. But these people ain't dumb, man. And they know that when they put that 32 number on there, they're like, yeah, we ain't playing for no 32. Yeah. You know, we've talked about this before. My position is a little bit different than yours in, in that I do agree that having an agent has a whole bunch of value. But there are some drawbacks that we don't always appreciate. Correct. And I think that one thing you know when you have the situation he has is that you can trust that they got your best interest in mind. You can't right. always trust that they have the experience or the access or the relationships to make certain things happen that an agent might have. However, the one thing about this negotiation that makes it real simple is Lamar not trying to negotiate. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't need an agent to to go grab the Sean Watson contract and write plus one on it and, <laughs> and slide it across your, your desk. It's like, there's no conversation to have. We don't need to sit and talk right now when he's trying to, to drum up some interest from other teams, an agent certainly will be helpful, but I, I'm generally with you. I had an agent uh, my entire playing career. I got an agent. Now it's not something I've done some writing stuff outside. I got a third agent for that is I, I try to be in the weeds with that. And Lamar, maybe he has to, but also, there's something about being that valuable that I think it simplifies the conversation because my agent yes. had to call people. My agent <laughs> had to fight for every dollar I was going to get. Lamar's agent is like, everybody know we we advertising for Lamar's agent every single day. Yes, we are. Yes, we, we are. talk about <laughs> Like There's nobody out here who's like, man, oh, we need to fill this roster spot. Who can we get? Hmm. <laughs> I ain't gonna lie though. I don't understand how everybody did not line up to hire Mulgetta after he pulled that magic trick off oh. with, with Deshaun Watson. Like, I'm sorry, if I'm a bar right then and there. I mean, if if I want the Deshaun Watson contract, yeah, I might go call Mulgetta right now. Now, there's a fair question to be asked about just how much of that had to do with Mulgetta. And that's not to say he had nothing to do with it, but he had somebody froggy on the other line, and that helps. But that would be the guy that I would be calling. It don't matter how much he did or did have to do with it. It's on his resume. Yes, it is. Yes, it's it on is. his resume. That first uh, Super Bowl that Tom Brady won on his resume. Same thing with Russell Wilson. Well, I guess Tom led a, a game-winning drive, but like getting mm -hmm. him there, it wasn't all that special. Russell Wilson, same thing on his resume. So I don't Look. care. It, it's going to go down in history, and he deserves the credit for it. Look, if I'm Joe Burrow, I go get a Mulgetta. Like, Joe Burrow, we talk about the fight that Lamar got right now. Ain't nobody going to have a fight like Joe Burrow going to have with cheap-ass Mike Brown trying to get his bread. That's <laughs> the, the most obvious. Like, he's a, a, an Ohio kid who's done everything right and made this team. And I, I've said this a number of times. There's only a few quarterbacks that I've seen dropped in a situation just change everything. And in this recent crop of quarterbacks he'd only want everybody else has something built up around them i think well except we for lamar jackson. yeah well i guess my point for lamar well, he jackson, did, yeah he yeah he didn't get dropped into the Bengals. he yeah, got dropped he was into 30, the ravens yeah he was the 32nd pick on a team that's that's never really been bad it's not like he dropped into he dropped into a team that was on a losing streak and a team that might get coaches fired at the end of the year it wasn't a perfect situation but it wasn't the Bengals. 
<laughs> I will say this, though, also to be fair to the Bengals, they dropped him in there and they went and got some houses. Ooh, 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 they dropped him and a couple receivers and yeah. Joe Mixon. Like They got some linemen. They just went and got a little Zeus, who is not little, but his daddy yeah. was big Zeus. So, you know, you got to be little Zeus. Yeah, he's a Raven, former Raven guy, too, but it's... The situation is slightly different. They they couldn't block for him. They couldn't do nothing. Like they don't have no big names. Even they have good players, but they don't have no big names on the other side of the ball. They got that man, some dudes to catch it, and a guy that could run it. And it was like make something happen, and he did. Well, the thing that makes Burrow so interesting to me is unlike the rest of these guys that have come in this wave, Burrow doesn't have that one thing to point to that's just the off the charts trait, talent, characteristic, whatever you want to say it was. He moves very well in the pocket, but he also holds the ball too long. Right. He doesn't have that one thing like all the other guys that we can point to have a thing or in the case of a guy like Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson, they got like three or four of them. Right. <laughs> yeah. Joe Burrow's thing is what he walks in the door with. I'm Joe Burrow. Yeah. It's and I think that's uh when people were saying wild things to try to give Joe Burrow credit and put him in the same conversation as as um, Pat Mahomes, I think that is what they're trying to say. Is like Joe Burrow got something special, and he's like he's been able to to morph his game in other ways. And I could put together a highlight tape of Joe Burrow athleticism and put ten plays out there. And if I showed it to you, you'd be like, man, that dude's an incredible athlete. And I could put together a highlight tape of him like making these incredible throws. And be like, that's wow, that guy got an arm. But really, when you watch Joe Burrow, you don't walk away thinking that the plays themselves were amazing as much as it's like the moment, the way he operates in moments is more amazing than anything else. And that's a hard thing to give to like recognize. It's it's yeah. the, it's one of those intangible things that we like to talk about, but we can't really measure. Well, when I first started playing golf. My brother made the point, was it him or an instructor? One of the two, I think it was my brother, but he made the point about something he read in one of these Ben Hogan books. And a good golf swing is one built to withstand pressure. Yeah. Right? Like if your swing can't hold up when you get wobbly, then your swing ain't so useful because you're going to get wobbly. And it's going to happen probably a lot. It's probably going to happen at big moments. Joe Burrow is the ultimate, I have a swing that can withstand pressure. Whatever happens, he figures it out. Like the ability, we talk about the guys who rise in pressure, but the ability to just be you, that one goes a long way too. Yeah, um, it's kind of like you guys were talking about um, the other day about these basketball players who can be like, get on my back. Mm -hmm. Joe Burrow got that same thing about him. And, and it seems like he always has. And there's all of us to some degree are presenting a version of ourselves that's like, slightly cooler slightly smarter slightly better than who we actually are joe burrow kind of feels like he is that dude like he the dude that he presents like yeah nah, he actually is that confident he actually is that yeah. comfortable he actually is that cool and it, it permeates the roster and this man still getting on tv talking about food insecurity he was just on good morning america this week over there like that, that's why he need to be the one to call mo getter the white boys don't <laughs> never want to call mo getter they don't never uh -uh. want to call uh, the only one I know of is is the Zap Master, uh, Bailey Zappy. He's read by Nicole Lynn. 
He went and hollered at her. But, you know, she at Houston, he at Houston Baptist, whatever it is, you know. And also, that made me want to see Bailey's Zappy CD collection. I know he doesn't have CDs, but back in my day, you could just flip it open somebody's CD book and learn everything you need to know about that person. But anyway. Yeah, uh, Spotify, his Spotify yeah, history. too hard now. It's too hard now. It takes too much work. I can't judge. I need, I need something a little more mnemonic to allow me to judge you. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training. Just in time for summer and warmer days. I've been in the gym a little bit trying to get my fitness in check so I can break these skinny allegations I keep getting. And spring is the best time of the year to take a new look at your fitness routine, dial it up a notch, and continue powering off. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row, or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Peloton's varying class lengths were designed with your training plan in mind. Personalize your workout. Whether you'd like to add a 10-minute course session at the end of your strength class or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance. Peloton classes are designed to help focus on your needs and goals while challenging yourself at every level. Now you can catch up on your favorite NBA games with NBA League Pass while you push yourself to new levels of fitness. Watch your favorite games and win your workouts with NBA League Pass on Peloton and visit OnePeloton.com. Peloton all-access membership and NBA League Pass subscription required. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Look at these quarterbacks in this draft. This leads to a nice segue to allow us to keep this whole thing topical. Bryce Young has, to me, the swing best built to withstand pressure. Problem, of course, is he's 5'10". And I'm sorry, this is not irrelevant. I understand all you 5'9 dudes out here listening. You're tired of people questioning you just because you're not very tall. And you're right. You should be. There's nothing that should stop you from being promoted from assistant manager to the big <laughs> manager just because you're 5'9. You're right. It shouldn't be like that. However, when you got to look over 6'3 dudes to throw the ball, it becomes a thing. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, it matters. But the way that I present it is like everyone has their weaknesses, uh, the tough thing. And you just have to take the weaknesses with the strengths. And my bigger concern for Bryce Young is like taking the hits more than throwing the passes because he's shown an ability in college to move around big offensive linemen. Like that Alabama line is large enough and he's productive enough that I'm like, I'm not concerned about that as much as it's how many times can he get hit and and survive the tough thing about his um weakness and maybe it's it's actually good because the thing about his weakness is you can't convince yourself that you can fix it right <laughs> you can convince yourself that you can fix all of richardson's problems and the fact of the matter is most of the time you don't fix them most of the time coaches come in and they like oh yeah we can fix this guy i just he just got some bad coach and i just got to get his feet right oh they that offense is too bad if they get into my offense then the reads will be simpler for him most of the time, it don't work. And that's the thing about Bryce is ain't no coach going to fool themselves into thinking they can fix his biggest flaw. And his biggest flaw is uh, he 5'10 and under 230. And that's going to be a problem. Not just his biggest flaw. It appears to be the only one. Yeah. 
CJ Stroud has the why you don't run more. Uh, way to go, black man. You are the answer to a black history uh, trivia question. Ain't nobody asked that. Of, hey, how come you don't run more? That is not like, and not even like a Drew Bledsoe, how come you can't run sort of situation. Like, this is the first black quarterback ever. They're like, well, not even the first, right? I feel like, like, I asked the question. Somebody pulled out some white dude that they said the same thing about. And I was kind of like, ah, oh, okay, there we go. But I'm like, damn, have we progressed that far? Is that where it is? But not like, like the slow brother never had a chance. You realize that? Byron Leftwich is uh, <laughs> the lone one. Yo, the thing about Byron Leftwich was no one has ever tricked the general public into believing they had a stronger arm than Byron Leftwich did. Everything about him looked like, man, he could get that thing down, down the field. He a big giant, <laughs> uh, taking forever to get rid of the ball, but not actually good at throwing it. He's a DC guy, and so he, oh yeah, he still gets a lot of love from around here. But you're right. He's, I mean, the thing about Byron, I told you this story before, but for those who don't know, I'll make it quick. Um, Byron Leftwich, we put the spy in my rookie year, my first <laughs> game starting for um the Broncos. We were going down to Jacksonville to play the Jaguars. Byron Leftwich was their quarterback, and we did the install that week. And I was feeling comfortable and confident in my team and my coaches and myself and until we sat down. And they went through all the, the plays that we we're going to put in defensively. And the last one we put in was QB spy. And I was like, man, you just you just let his his blackness <laughs> deter. We actually never called it in the game. But it was like, hey, one thing we're not going to do is go into a game with a black quarterback and not go over our spy defense. Byron Leftwich probably had 100 rushing yards his whole career. No, they had it mixed up with Dante Culpepper. But I told you <laughs> that time where I was watching the Vikings, Teddy Bridgewater's rookie year. And uh, North Turner was the offensive coordinator, and he had Teddy running a zone read. And I was like, oh, wow, it is white people can be <laughs> amazing, just flat out amazing. Like, I would love to know all the analogs in everybody's life where somebody has asked you to be Teddy Bridgewater running the zone read. It was like, he was like, I, I know you don't do this, but you just don't know that you got this in you. <laughs> I, I could tell just by looking at you that you are a zone read master. Yeah, I tell you out there like, bro, I don't even really want to do this, man. <laughs> like, are you, are you, are you, are you serious? Uh, it's like at the office party, they like, you know who gonna be the DJ? Yep, Dante. Dante, make us a playlist. Yo, yo, lead up. No, that's Dante. Hey, you get out there and start dancing. Everybody gonna get in there, and get behind you. That's the one. Hey man, you go be the black person at a, the black person at a party. Whatever dance you do, it turn into to join that house party. In house party, you are the center of attention. You are the leader of the pack. And I want to know who the white dude is in the corner that's over there. Like we are about this hey. stuff. Being like, man, it's getting props for anything, man. <laughs> watch, watch, man. I go out there and kill him. Yeah, he got all the moves over there looking like Jaheim Allen. Just, yes. just waiting, waiting for his chance to run the zone read. And don't nobody call him. They'll never circle it up around him. He's going to have to work so He's going to break a sweat before we circle up around him. Yes. I tell you, though, it's interesting, like, going into a draft, and I guess we got almost a month. I mean, oh, a little over a month before the draft comes around. A draft with four quarterbacks? And they're all interesting in some varying degree. Bro, we ain't had time to talk about none of these other dudes. What dudes do we need to talk about? Like, I feel I like mean, it's, it's Bryce Young. It is Anthony Richardson. The other two ain't interesting to me, honestly. 
I find Stroud to be very interesting. I think Stroud's good. Like, I think Stroud is ultimately good. I I would not be surprised if Stroud is the number one overall pick. Like, I'm surprised how down other people are on him based on the games that I've watched him play outside of those Michigan games. So don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that he's not going to succeed or he won't be good. I just don't find him interesting. I know who he is. I feel like I know who he is. And Mm -hmm. I'm going to find Stroud interesting once he's on the roster and once he's playing to see if he can fulfill the promise that he obviously has. But Anthony Richardson is by far the most interesting Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> of the quarterbacks out here. And then the interesting question around Bryce Young is like, uh, is his greatness good enough to overcome the fact that he's yes. diminutive? You're just skipping over our man, Will Levis. You're, yeah, you're, just, I mean, you're just bypassing the Will Levis. I'm not bypassing because I don't think that he can be something like we've been. I've been wrong before about a lot of players and quarterbacks, but uh, it's not that I don't see it is all I'm saying. I'm not a yeah. great QB scout. And great QB scouts are wrong a lot of times too. So I may be wrong, but like I just, I just don't see it. It feel like a rising tide situation where they're like, man, he's really close to these guys. So let's just put him in there with that conversation. Now I haven't watched it enough with him to like have an opinion. Now I will tell you a player I have watched a little bit more that I have a strong opinion about. And I was watching y'all's latest episode of Debatable. Um, the Wednesday episode of Debatable, and I saw you guys talking about this guy, and I felt so bad for you because you were clearly talking to two people who did not have <laughs> any idea what they were talking about. Like I just, I just could not be more blown away by listening to Pablo and Bill Bardwell just sound. Basically, the guy we're talking about is Bijan Robinson, right? Now, something very important for you guys to understand: Bijan Robinson went to Texas. I promise you. I got off that narcotic. Like, I really don't have the over the top. Oh, we went to Texas. You got to do it. Now, nah, I'm hard on teams that I like, and I don't even like them that much. However, guys, have you seen Bijan Robinson play football? Because I don't care what anybody says about this. You don't take a running back in the first round, da, da, da. I just want to make this note right fast. Sean McVay stopped looking like a genius when Todd Gurley's knee went out. Right now, you could say that Ty Gurley's knee is the argument for not taking a running back in the first round, but they took him in the first round, coming off an ACL tear, and they got like three, four years out of him that made it all worth it. He was that good. If the Eagles stay at 10 and Bijan Robinson is at 10 and they have a chance to run an offense with Bijan Robinson, AJ Brown, Devontae Smith, and Jalen Hurts, <laughs> boys. <laughs> And it might be canceled Christmas. And I mean, look, uh, AJ and Devontae might have to learn how to block because we might not even need to throw the ball no more. But, dude, they're going to be running plays with B. John Robinson in the slot because he can do that. With those two. Bro, what don't forget talking? that the offensive line is loaded, too. Yes. This is when I had a conversation with them. It's like I was having two different conversations or we were having two different conversations because what they were trying, the argument they were making and it's one that I understand, but my point is that argument is for, for dumb people. Like the point that they're making is like, all right, let's build these guardrails around decision making. Because if you make this decision all the time, that's fine. You'll like potentially, and obviously you're an econ major. I don't have to explain anything, any of this to you, but like the point is it'll like lift everything, your chances slightly over the long run. You won't make as as many mistakes or as big mistakes. But my point was, sometimes you need what you need. And and the, and the analogy that they set me up to deliver was, I think Bill Barnwell said, if you had a coupon, you could go into Target and you could buy anything that you want with this coupon. 
why would you buy a pair of pants when you could get like a state of the art piece of electronics that is like obviously much more valuable? And my point was, mother, what if I don't got on no pants? <laughs> like I got a shirt, I got shoes, I got a hat, I got everything. Your fancy computer ain't gonna do nothing for me. Right. I need some pants. But the other part is the fancy computer is not the iMac 10,000. Da, 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 da. The fancy computer is a box that says fancy computer. Right. That's fair. Right. Do I know if this computer is going to work? Hmm? Right. Just checking. I know this <laughs> B. John Robinson thing is going to work. I'm sorry. I, like, I don't know what's going to have to happen for right. that one not to work. I knew that thing is not going to work. And you're not just talking about a fancy pair of pants. You're talking about a fancy pair of pants where the girls like how your booty looks. Like. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like every time you put them on, you yeah. walk out the spot with something. Yeah, there's 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 a thing to that. The part that got me in their argument and where I just wanted to jump through the roof. And that's when I just realized, oh, these guys don't actually know what they're talking about. And I'm not <laughs> saying that pejoratively. I mean, that is a simple statement of fact. Barnwell's point was that the Chiefs had the luxury pick at the end of that first round. The that year they took Clyde Edwards Elair, and then the next pick was T Higgins. And so they could have taken T. Higgins over Clyde Edwards Hedlair. You know who I would not recommend the Eagles take at number 10? Clyde Edwards Hedlair. We're not talking <laughs> yeah. about Clyde Edwards Hedlair. Yeah. Now, look, if me and you was out on the street and it looked like somebody going to rob us, Clyde Edwards Hedlair is the oh. number one pick <laughs> in the draft. I want to be clear. There's some circumstances where he the first yeah. dude, uh, if it's about right. to go down, you want to talk about a dude with a swing that can withstand pressure. That is Clyde <laughs> Edwards Lair. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you are welcome to go look it up. Uh, yeah. Right. But if we talk about playing football, look, I was sitting here, you know, me and one of them overthinking, don't take the first the running back in the first round people. But man, she was sending me them Bijan gifs because she knew I knew what time it was. She's yeah, like, oh. I, I think by don't like this is what I meant by having we were having two different conversations. And like, if we go back to the, the analogy, which maybe is not a good one, so maybe we shouldn't go back to it. But the point is, a first round running back and Ezekiel Elliott was one of the examples that they used to throw in my face is like, well, then you have to extend him. And so the value over the course of the entire contract, like, yeah, chances are if you draft one of these other positions, yeah, it might be a better draft pick over the long haul. Which, if you are building a roster, or if you, um, yeah, if if you are looking to maximize an opportunity, sometimes you have to make decisions. I've told you this before, like um, having conversations with like Fortune 500 CEOs, and they've made the point to me, or one of them at least made this point to me. The biggest mistakes that he's ever made in his career was when he focused only on the numbers. And he let his numbers people tell him what to do because he did not take into account the like emotional and psychological impact of his decisions. He was talking about dealing with a union and the union wanted a small boost in like healthcare benefits of some kind. And it's something that because he was the big company, they had the leverage to not do it and reporting to the shareholders that uh, their costs would have gone up. All the people, all the numbers people in his building was like, nah, we can't do that. We don't have to do that. They don't have the leverage to make us do that. 
And then what happened was he decided to go along with them. Then a couple years later, they had some leverage and they came for his ass and he was in trouble. And he was like, I wish because it ain't cost me nothing. I could have explained to the board like, yeah, we had to bump it a little bit. But you got to understand we in this for the long haul. This is a smart decision now. And so that's what I that's where I think is it's a hard thing to fully understand because you could look at that and say all right so given that information a smart decision would be to get the tackle because it's going to benefit you more over the long haul but i also think you can make an argument that the smart decision is to avoid the numbers sometimes you have to avoid the numbers because those numbers will will lead you astray and in this situation i'm not saying they have to do it but like i'm not going to say this is dumb because they did and even if they get Bijan and then they don't extend him and you're like, well, that's a wasted first round pick. You only had a great player for four years or five years. And somebody else has a great player for 15. So many other people are going to get first round draft picks that won't succeed. But what you do in that five years, it matters. And so Ezekiel Elliott was one of the ones that they wanted to throw in my face. That's like, oh, this is why it's wrong. Like, mm, they had championship caliber teams, guys. Like you see, Aaron, how, you see how good they were the second yeah. he showed up? Yeah, it's like, okay, maybe they shouldn't have signed him to the second deal, but they felt like they had to because they invested a first-round pick in it. Maybe that's when you make the decision. But let's be honest, guys. If Aaron Rodgers ain't throw that ridiculous pass on the sideline on Dak's rookie year, they might have won the Super Bowl. They were really good for that stretch. So, like, what's, is your purpose to optimize your chance of winning a championship over the next 10 years, or is your purpose to win a championship? Yeah, well, the other part is, I mean, you can get Dak Prescott in the fourth round. Oh, wait, that's right. You probably shouldn't wait if you know somebody's going to be good. The thing about the running backs is, especially depending on the system, like especially as you saw the NFL go to those zone blocking schemes, and your guy Mike Shanahan mm-hmm. showed the world, oh, I can drop anybody off in this. Now, don't get me wrong, um, Clinton Portis, and Terrell Davis were different worlds than all those other guys they dropped in there. Like, let's not pretend like he found yep. another Terrell Davis or found another Clinton Portis. That didn't happen, right? It was like Mike Anderson, that was cool. Don't get me wrong, but we knew what time it was. We knew what was, you know, we knew the difference between okay and really good. So my thing with the running back, though, is this isn't really a discussion in the second half of the first round because you don't pay those dudes that much money anyway. Mm-hmm. This is a discussion about the top part. Like, do you take Saquon Barkley at number two, for example? I see the argument against doing something like that but at 10 10 oh yeah we take you at 10 and i mean it's uh, opportunity cost is the is the argument against it which is like okay i get it what you're giving up there is a chance at something else but again if you ain't got no pants bro you got you got to be at a party in 15 minutes and you spill something on your pants and you got this coupon and you're across the street from target and you walk in there and you're like man all i need to go to this party where my beloved Super Bowl trophy is in there dancing, waiting for me to come and hit on her. I can't walk in there with no pants. Oh, <laughs> but this computer is this fancy new computer is right here. It's worth so much more than these pants. It'll last longer than these pants. It's a better chance of being a good investment than these pants. But I'm gonna walk at a party with a big box. And no damn pants. <laughs> and she going to look at me like I'm crazy. Nah, man. Like I say, I feel like once Barwell gets a chance to watch a little bit more of this B. John Robinson. <laughs> that, like I say, once he put him in the same sentence with Clyde Edwards at Lair, I was just like, oh, we're just operating on generals. You yeah. just haven't really watched. I mean, that's my only assumption. Now, maybe Barwell has yeah. actually watched him play, at which point, I mean, I used to like reading your columns. <laughs> I really did. I mean, I thought they were I mean, they were excellent. They make me feel much more informed. But if you want to act like Clyde Edwards-Elair and B. John Robinson are the same person, 
I'm <sighs> done with you, sir. I'm, <laughs> I'm completely out of here. Like that's that's. I mean, I, I mean, I say that to his face. I ain't never met Barwell before, but I say that dead to his mug. I'm oh, I'm man. out on you, dog. If this yeah. is if this is how you getting down. I think when when Bill first got into the analytics writing, like he was the he was like ahead of most teams. He probably is still ahead of most teams. So I think he writes from a standpoint that he is talking to people who don't understand it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a that's a good way to have rules like this. And the sad thing about having is me arguing that you need to break your rules sometimes is that is the same argument that gets people into situations where they make terrible decisions. Fair. You know, because like, I got a feel. Foxworth said sometimes you got to break the rules. Let me go ahead and break this rule right now. So the point is, yeah, most people go ahead and follow, follow that uh, that Bill Barnwell formula. But Howie, who most of the time follows those formulas, sometimes a guy like Howie can step out there yeah. and be like, nah, I got, I got this roster. I got a chance to take it over the top. Let me go ahead and do that. Yeah, because look, again, my thing with this is we're not talking about a running back. Mm-mm. We're talking about I'm trying to think of a better running back prospect in the last 10 years, and I'm coming up empty. Like Christian McCaffrey is maybe a guy that you put yeah. into this discussion. I think that I think he's a different level than Barkley was. Like, I think Barkley so much of that is just how damn big and strong he was, yeah, right? That ain't what I'm talking about. My feeling is once you got anybody, it don't matter who it is, once you can sit him in the huddle and after it breaks, I don't know where he's going to line up. Yeah. Now we talk about something. That's like any of those, what I call them convertible tight ends, like that Notre Dame tight end that's coming out here. Mm-hmm. If I'm throwing him in the huddle, but you don't know where I'm lining them up. Oh, you got problems. It's not even I don't know where I'm lining them up. He can make a game changing play from any of those positions. Yes. And so having the defense on their heels and also having uh, an offense that's flexible is like, all right, I'm going to put him out there. All right. Y'all going to send out base. It's very simple. Let me isolate him over here on this linebacker. Oh, that's going to check y'all the zone. Okay. Cool. That means we got the RPO off of all that zone stuff because it's hard to cover the RPO. Oh, RPO off the zone is killing you. You're going to go in, man. I got Bijan out there. And so you have gone to sub because Bijan's out there on edge. Oh, word. We're going to go ahead and get in the eye and pound <laughs> you. It's like we can have five plays. We don't even need to huddle. Right. We just got to line up and let you guys be frantic and let you tell us what to do. All because this one player unlocks that. And I think that's the hard part to calculate the value of somebody is what goes along with that value is a complete understanding of how you can use them and fully executing them and appreciating how valuable that can be. And yeah, if you don't trust that all teams can do that, get you a tackle. Yes. Way to get you a tackle. You can't go wrong with a tackle. Can't have too many <laughs> tackles. Get, get your goofy ass a tackle. <laughs> well, this is what I wonder, like as an extension of this discussion. For those people who are on that, if Marshall Falk hits the league right now, and that may be the comp on Bijan, though I don't think Marshall Falk is possibly the best running back I've ever seen. Like if you, you know, I get all the Barry, you know, Barry Sanders is way up there, but if you want to make the Marshall Falk argument, it's really hard to argue against. If Marshall Falk drops off right now, Marshall Falk is sitting there at 10. You telling me you're not taking him? Because you can take Lucas Van Ness. Are you kidding me? Little bitty Jordan Addison. You know what I'm saying? Like, is that, is that really what we do? I feel like I'm taking Marshall fault myself personally. Yeah. Yeah. And, but I mean the, and that's, that goes back to the original or not the original point, but one of the points I was just making is it's connected. It's so hard with football because football is such a complex game. 
and requires so many moving parts to work in unison because Marshall Falk ain't worth nothing in a bad situation. You know what I mean? Like if you have, and it goes back to what we were talking about with like running the zone read with quarterbacks who are just black, but not athletic. It's like, if you don't understand how to utilize this guy, you're, you're wasting him. And it goes back to what we were talking about. Josh Allen and back in the day, it was like, Josh Allen ain't good if you don't let him do all the Josh Allen things. So I, I feel like I'm a broken record a little bit, but like it comes down to understanding everything around you and how all that stuff works together. And like you have to take risk, like the idea that just hanging around long enough means you're going to win a championship. Yes, that's a way to do it. Like just be generally good long enough and then you'll go over the top. But sometimes it's like, yeah, you know what? We're going to go ahead and draft Jalen Hurts and move on from this big contract that we committed to Carson Wentz. Like, I can't imagine that that's something that most people would be willing to do or comfortable doing. And most things like go in like cycles. So it's like, all right, you think about how football used to be. It's like no analytics. And now we go, we really love analytics and we go overboard to analytics. And then there's some value to understanding what you can gain from moving beyond the analytics. It's like, this is going to happen. And I think we're at a point now where the right answer to everything is not going to be spit out because you can't include all the variables that you need to include. The assumption is that every variable that matters is on this spreadsheet. There are lots of other variables that are not on the spreadsheet that we have not figured out how quite how to measure just yet. Analytics have been turned for many people into a dodge of accountability and a way to hide the fact that those people don't actually know what they're talking about. That is not specific to Barnwell and Pablo. I'm just talking generally, like being able to go back and just be like, hey, I just followed the game tree. It's like I got the card in my pocket about two point conversions. Why'd you do it? Well, the card sits up. And now the card is what you blame and not me. Right. You know, that's mm, it's part of that. But before we get out of here, I need to give people some important news here. We will not be having Foxworth Friday next week. We will not. Dominique is out next week. Um, and I was going to try to do it with somebody else, but we got the last week of game theory next week. So I got to like change the schedule, you know, but what Dominique has not been upfront about is why is Dominique not coming to work next week? Cause somebody's turning 40. <laughs> yep. I, I haven't, you haven't announced that I happened to look you up in the wiki on my own and I saw that date pop up and I was like, Oh, here he go. Try to hide his birthday from us again. Yeah, I'm going to turn 40 and I haven't decided what type of old black man I'm going to be. I've been looking at leather baseball hats, I've been looking at backwards kangles. I'm not sure if, if I'm going to be one of them, but I feel like at 40, I got to decide what type of uncle I want to be. It's very important. See, I always forget. It's easy for me to forget because you are in so many ways, so much more of an adult than I am, that I am low key two and a half years older than you. Like I lose track of that um from time to time and so i looked up and i'm like oh damn dominique turning 40 this is dope and i could give you i'll tell you this the difference between 29 and 364 days and 30 flat i felt that immediately the difference (laughs) between 39 264 and 40 i did not feel it quite in the same way the transition into 40 is just a little bit smooth yeah i mean yeah we we are i had this conversation with lots of people that are older than me but uh either don't have kids or aren't married or something like that. I'm older than you. Like, it's just a way like the I, I, I talk about how my body feels or how 
how stressed I may be about a situation. I'm like, damn, being old sucks. They like, you can't say that. I'm older. Like, no, actually, you're not. No, no, <laughs> no, no, not. no, no, the, no. The wear and tear. <laughs> I'm a running back in this league, fellas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You played a different game. Like, I recognize this. Like, you more of a growing up. I got cats that used to be like my little brothers. And I go over their houses with them kids and wives and mortgages. I'm like, no, no, no. You're growing up now. Like, I, I got I to gotta change my tone. When I advise you, when I, when I try to lay some game on you. Oh, now, my friends that's still out here blowing in the wind like me. Oh, yeah, I can still be like, hey, man, get over here for a second. I got to explain something to you. <laughs> you know, I can still I can still do that with them cats. It's the others. I can't even really do that no more. No, nah, don't stop giving me no advice, though. I, I appreciate a different perspective. I don't I don't want to get into my own little bubble and think I got it all figured out. I appreciate a little different perspective. But but, yeah, I, I'm I'm a running back and you I don't know. You uh, mm-hmm. uh a wide receiver or something with the yeah. rule changes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't. I I feel like I'm just a quality control assistant. Right <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'm just out here, just getting a little done. I don't, I don't know what I am anymore. Like I, you know what I am? I'm a all pro putter. I'll be doing this for twenty five yeah, years. I'm there you go. That's why. Yeah, they were maybe dropping bombs, boy. Reggie Roby in this mug. Yeah. I love that we go. I love that we go everywhere, but so much stuff that we left on the table. But I guess as long as the people like it, the people like it. Yeah, man, they trust us, and that's yeah. greatly appreciated. As I trust you, hey, man, happy birthday for real, man. Thank Live you. it up, enjoy yourself. Um, I had video on the show Wednesday, and I had to thank him because I did his podcast earlier this week. He got a podcast at Yahoo called "The Good Word with Goodwill." I recommend you guys subscribe to that. Cats like you and he make this show what it is and what it has been so take your week enjoy your week and i couldn't bear to do Foxworth friday without you you know what uh, i'm saying i appreciate it. that's the greatest gift i could have and I, I was thinking this yesterday when i was listening to you and Vinny is like how you are at this point in your career where you can take a little credit <laughs> you know it's like you got you out here got other people who used to be regulars on yours launching their own thing so it's no, that's the i best appreciate thing. you that's all Honestly, and I'll just say this right quick, like for my work, like this is the thing about the Morning Jones, the show I did on Sirius is how many people, like granted, that was more self-starter, but like how many people out of that ecosystem started their own stuff, Rob, the black guy who tips, for example, got down the line, Jenkins and Jones, that's a Morning Jones, you know, sort of thing. And the coolest thing for me is that the shows that we have done over these years that people I've worked with can then lead to shows sometimes in terms of inspiration, but also in times of, hey, man, people see that it work here. And so they want to bring it out. So, hey, enjoy your week. And ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for joining us here on The Right Time. Uh, Be sure to hit the voicemail line, 860-516-4119. In the spirit of Dominique Fosworth turning 40, tell us about that injury you suffered by not doing nothing at all but being old. (laughs) 860-516-4119. That is the telephone number. Adi Khan, Dan Stancic, and Parker Owens handling everything behind the scenes. Thank you, gentlemen. Remember, follow the right time. Rate us, review us, give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. And we'll talk to you guys in a couple of days. Take it easy. Thanks for checking out The Right Time with Bomani Jones Podcast. You can listen or follow on the ESPN app or wherever you listen to podcasts. The Right Time with Bomani Jones.